Radio, MD.com. Welcome to the revolution, the clean eating revolution. It's time now for the Clean Food Network Show. Here's Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Clean Food Network. We are back. Cameron Harsh joins us once again, Senior Manager Organic and Animal Policy at the Center for Food Safety. We're going to be talking about antibiotics and hormones in food. Hello, Cameron. Hi, Lisa. You know, we we just had an interesting conversation uh, prior to this looking at, you know, the use of, we didn't actually look at the use of antibiotics yet, but we were talking about some other issues related to, you know, industrialized meat and factory farming. And one of the things that's so huge is the overuse of antibiotics and hormones in our food. Why don't you talk to what you've seen, what you're trying to prevent through the work at the Center for Food Safety, and why we really do want to be getting that stuff out of our food supply. Right, and you, you put it exactly right when you use the word overuse. Um, drugs in general and antibiotics specifically in this context are overused in animal agriculture in the United States. Um, and, of course, antibiotics serve a very important purpose in raising animals for food in that you can treat an animal that becomes ill or sick um, and is diagnosed with a veterinarian and needs an antibiotic to help it get better. Um, but, unfortunately, antibiotics and antimicrobials generally have for decades now been approved for use in food animals for a number of other purposes that we call production purposes. So you um, can use an antibiotic through the animal's feed and water at very low levels to promote growth, to improve feed efficiency, so the animal gains more weight while eating less food, and also to prevent disease. So animals that are living in crowded, unsanitary conditions where they're crawling over one another and they're not being cleaned and cared for appropriately, if they have low levels of antibiotics in their feed, they stay healthy and less susceptible to the bacteria and pathogens that are, are growing and increasing in those kind of conditions. So you have this, See, this that's just so disgusting. of antibiotics. Yeah, that's disgusting, right? Yeah. And it's, it's inhumane. Yeah, it's, it's inhumane it, for a number yeah. of reasons. You have the animals in conditions that are, are inhumane and overcrowded. And then you also have um, issues of antibiotics resistance, which has become prominent in the media for how it affects people, which is a, a huge public health concern. But you also have animal-specific pathogens that are becoming resistant to the veterinary medicines as well. Yeah, you know, I think the paradigm is shifting there. If you look at even some mainstream grocery stores, you can find antibiotic-free chicken or hormone-free chicken. Is that something that you think is going to continue to grow? It, it sure seems like it, and I sure hope so. Yes, we definitely think that it's something that has grown in the last number of years and will continue to grow this sort of recognition about the overuse of drugs and antibiotics in food animals. And I think what also is happening is there's still a lot of confusion in the marketplace about antibiotic-free versus raised without antibiotics. And um, we're very much stressing that antibiotics continue to be available to treat sick animals when illness does happen to emerge, as is likely the case in anybody's lifetime. Um, but it's the overuse and the routine daily feeding of antibiotics that has been um, a practice that, that cannot be allowed to continue. So how are you at the Center for Food Safety trying to make change in this area? Hey, we, all, we work in a number of different ways to affect change. And I think in terms of antibiotics, 
one of the main avenues that we're working through with a number of organizations are market-oriented campaigns. So we have worked to increase consumer awareness about this as an issue and also talk to companies and convince companies that they need to take a strong stand on this issue and um, create policies and implement standards for ensuring that their producers of, of meat and poultry and dairy are using antibiotics appropriately. And that the goal should be to um, achieve significant reductions in the amount of antibiotics that are used in food animals. And what about how the antibiotic, antibiotics excuse me, affect us and our children? Yeah, so the, the daily feeding of antibiotics and other antimicrobials to food animals um, it allows bacteria to select for resistance. So if you're dosing bacteria with kind of sublethal doses of antimicrobials, they start to develop a resistance to that antimicrobial and even um, transfer that resistance to other bacteria and also have resistance that is uh, that spans multiple antimicrobials, not just the one that it was necessarily exposed to. So you have pathogens that affect human health, such as E. coli, salmonella, um, those are kind of the most commonly known ones that then are resistant to the medicines that we have to fight them. So when you get an E. coli infection from the meat you've eaten, you will be sicker for longer because the antibiotics are not going to be as effective or maybe even ineffective against that bacteria. And if you're in a vulnerable population, like a child or the elderly or somebody who's immune compromised, uh, you have a, a much more high risk of death from that infection. So incredibly scary. And, you know, when I'm, I'm thinking about what you said about the overcrowding and using antibiotics in those situations, and and even with the overuse of the antibiotics, you're still getting outbreaks of E. coli. And that's what's so scary, right? I mean, I don't see how they're not getting the connection of how unhealthy this is. Yeah, certainly. And the E. coli are going to be um, increasingly resistant to the drugs that the producers have typically used. Um, and so they're going to be just increasingly harder to control in that scenario. So producers' options are, the, the bad option is to change the, the antibiotic that you're using or increase um, the, the spectrum of antibiotics that you're using to try and get the resistant E. coli. Uh, good options would be to change your management practices and reduce stocking density and promote high welfare living conditions for the animals. That would be nice, wouldn't it? And like I've said before in the other interview we did, thank goodness for people like you at the Center for Food Safety. When was that first established, Cameron? Uh, Center for Food Safety started out as the International Center for Technology Assessment. Um, and then it started as a branch of that and became its own organization, um, I believe, around the year 2000. Cool. And when did you get involved? Uh, I've been at CFS for about three years now. Oh, that's nice. Sounds like you like it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place, and it's doing amazing work, not just the areas that I focus on, but also on uh, pollinator protection and uh, regulation of genetically engineered crops. So, a lot of great work. Tell a little bit about that. I'd love to hear a little bit about that work as well. Uh, it's not an area that um, I work on as much with CFS, but one thing that we are promoting is that the government um, regulate and assess genetically engineered crops appropriately so that they are 
um, ensuring that all of the information and research has been done before they're approving these crops for for production and that uh, GE foods are labeled so consumers know and can make a choice to avoid GE foods if that's their dietary decision. Um, and just making sure that government is doing its appropriate oversight to make sure that these are technologies that are not going to harm the environment, wildlife, or consumers. Well, it sounds like such great work. Tell us all the ways, Cameron, we can learn more about the Center for Food Safety. Yeah, we have a great website at www.centerforfoodsafety.org where you can learn about all our different campaigns and um, projects we have going on. You know, I really want to urge everyone to get organic and grass-fed meat, pasture-raised chickens and pork when possible. You know, you'll hear that, well, it's too expensive. My, my answer to that is, well, then just buy less of it, right? I mean, it, wouldn't it be better, Cameron, if people could, you know, just buy the organic and grass-fed and maybe they won't eat meat as often, but at least they're not going to be eating meat that's treated inhumanely and full of crap, basically, <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> exactly. And I think if, uh, if, the public wants to eat meat less often, then there's less demand for meat and less of an economic incentive to house animals the way that we are currently. I completely agree. Well, I have to say, I love my organic grass-fed beef. I don't eat a ton, but when I eat it, I sure enjoy it. I hope you also enjoy eating clean. We love talking about clean food here. I'm Lisa Davis. Eat clean and stay well. Stay well.